Praise the Lord this morning. Every time I come up here, I always do it. Can we do that again with a little more gusto? Let's say praise the Lord this morning. We serve a great God, and he deserves all of our praise, and he, he deserves all of our energy. Praise the Lord. I have a few announcements for you this morning. Today we will have our Connect Group Fair. I was calling it an extravaganza earlier. It will be held in the A Center after the altar service, and it looks like we're going to have about 12 to 15 uh, Connect Groups, and, and we ask that you really go out and, and, and take a look at them. It's a great way to foster inter interconnectivity in the body of Christ. We want to enrich your experience here at Grace, and that's a great way to do it. So please avail yourself of that after service this morning. Saturday, July 30th, we will have the Move the Mission Chicken Spaghetti Dinner. Dinner will include chicken spaghetti, obviously. Green beans roll and a peach cobbler it will be $10 per dinner. All proceeds go to Move the Missions, and the sign-up is at Grand Central. And please sign up if you can. It gives them an idea about the logistics of the dinner what uh, material they have to purchase and prepare for and save the date i'm looking forward to christmas and it's 100 degrees outside praise the lord christmas banquet on friday december 16th from 7 to 10 p.m all ages are welcome are you happy to be here this morning i know you didn't come here to hear these announcements you came here for a different reason you came here because god is good he loves every single one of you, and he wants to do something dramatic in your lives today. Can we tell him that we love him? Can we stand this morning and worship God? Can we render to him the praise that he deserves? Oh, 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 oh,
Your light is greater, you light away, God, you light away. When evil is rising, you're rising higher with power to save, with power to save. You keep hope alive, you keep hope alive from the
Grace Church, let's worship the Lord right now. There's a beautiful presence of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, come on. Let's entertain that presence of God right now. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, we're standing in your presence. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. Hallelujah. 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 He is. He is the God of miracles. He's the God of the impossible. There, over the last several weeks in our services on Sunday, there have been documented, testified of miracles that have happened in worship services just like this. And there's no less of the power of God here today than there was in those previous services. In fact, I, I feel like it just continues to build and get stronger, more, more pronounced, more profound. So what I'm telling you is, is you're in an environment today where the presence of God is and anything is possible. Hallelujah. Oh, I wish somebody would receive that right now. I wish you would just quicken your faith right now. Stir up your praise right now. If you believe it, would you just shout unto the Lord today? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Pastor told the story, and, and Brother Jeremy testified of an instant healing in his leg a couple of Sundays ago. And uh, what I, I, I almost, I almost jumped up and grabbed the mic, but the Bible says everything decent and in order. But what I wanted to say is that the young people prayed that we would see a miracle that day in the house of God before we left. And God honored that prayer, the, the prayer of these students right here. And that's the environment you're in today. So I want you to release your faith. I want you to believe that anything's possible. Before we leave here today, God is going to do something very real and very special in the lives of a lot of people. I believe that with all of my heart. I do want to join with Brother Ben and, uh, and just welcome everybody here today. We're glad you're on campus. Such a great group here today. Those joining us on live stream and Facebook Live, so glad you've chosen to make this service a part of your day, and we know you will be blessed for that. Um, I, I want to give honor just very quickly to our quizzers uh, in Branson, uh, doing a tremendous job. I know there's a lot of stories and testimonies that are going to be coming and, and of their achievements and the things they've done, um, but I do want to just give a shout out to them today and honor the quizzers and those that are traveling today uh, in Branson. I know that they are doing a tremendous job. And then finally, before we turn to the Word of God and before I have you be seated, echoing what Brother Ben said, don't forget the Connect Group Fair, the Connect Group Extravaganza, I guess it is now, uh, right after the altar service. If nothing else, you get some free ice cream out of it. Just take 10 or, 10 or 15 minutes and uh, uh, walk around, see the groups, uh, get some ice cream. It's exciting over there. There's a, they put a lot of thought into this. The leaders have. The, the, uh, the tables look amazing. Uh, and, and there's something there for everybody. I was thinking about it. Uh, there, there, there's, um, oh man, I had it and I, I lost it. I had a little, little saying I had come up with over there in the chair and, and I lost it. When it comes to me, I'll tell you, but there's pickleball, fishing, and, 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 and every, mentoring, and, and lunch, and, and everything. So you, there's something for everybody. So go over there and check it out and you will be blessed. Let's go to the Word of God and I'll let you be seated. I know you've been standing for quite some time. 
My message today is a question. I'll announce my title in just a moment. But I want to ask you a question that God asked me a few weeks ago in prayer. And I've had this burning in my spirit ever since since then. And so I'm going to ask you to answer this question along with me today. Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4, we're going to read verses 4 through 7. And we will also read verses 20 through 24. You know the story, you know the setting, um, but it continues to fascinate me every time I read it. Joshua 4 and 4. Then Joshua called the 12 men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel, out of every tribe a man. Notice that, out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of Jordan, and take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. That this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? And he gives them the answer that they are to give their children. That the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. And then verses 20 through 24, very similar. This is the... so the. the uh, Joshua had the one from every uh, tribe of Israel uh, build the monument. Then Joshua went back and built one himself in the river. And you're going to see that here. There are actually two memorials, two monuments. The 12 stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. And he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come. Same question. When your children shall ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you until you were passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over. That all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you might fear the Lord your God forever. Kind of a lengthy reading there, but it sets the stage for the question I want to ask you. What do these stones mean to you? What do these stones mean to you personally? God bless you in the presence of the Lord, and you may be seated today. Now, stones have a very distinct presence in Scripture. They are often used in the Bible to represent something or someone, oftentimes used to represent a greater truth. Stones in the Word of God are kind of a metaphor, if you will. Now we understand in, in the world that stones can be precious, valuable, like a gemstone or a diamond. With the value of stones in mind, Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, To whom coming... As unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God, and precious. Stones can be strong, they can be secure, solid, something on which to build that has merit and lasting value. 
It is that property of stones that Jesus was referencing when he said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But I suppose at the outset of this message, to, uh, as, a, as an on-ramp and beginning of, of this um, sermon on memorial stones, if you will, I, I can't go very far without talking about the chief metaphor of stones, and that is Jesus Christ himself, a stone both precious and secure. Jesus reminded his followers in the Gospels that he is the stone which the builders rejected, but he has become chief of the corner. Again, 1 Peter says, Wherefore also it is contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, that foundation stone. Jesus Christ is that precious rock which the church is built on. He is that secure foundation on which everybody can build their lives. And I'm thankful today that some 2,000 years later, we're still preaching and talking about Jesus Christ, the rock. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. The psalmist said, he set my feet upon a rock. He lifted me up out of that miry clay. He saved my soul. He forgave my sins. He healed my body. I don't know what Jesus means to you today, but I want you to know He's valuable to me. I want you to know that Jesus still means something in my life. There's a a song we've been singing around our house lately, and it says it this way. When I look back over where I could have been, over where I should have been, over where I would have been if Jesus hadn't stepped in, Oh, that's the Jesus I'm talking about. He's he's precious in my life. He's a foundation that I can turn to. He's he's the stone that I can build on. Has anybody found him valuable today? Is he precious in your life? Does, Does the rock on which you stand still have merit and worth today? That great story, the great gospel message, Jesus coming from above and dying on the cross for our salvation. It still has merit. It still has worth. It still has value. It's not, as we talked about in Sunday school today, it's not out of date. It's not out of fashion. The Word of God, the gospel message still is true. And I love the the succinct way in which the old song put it, summarizing that entire beautiful story. just says, down from His glory, ever-living story. My God and Savior came. And Jesus was his name. He was born in a manger to his own a stranger. A man of sorrows, tears, and agony. But the chorus says, Oh, how I love him. Oh, how I adore him. He's my breath, my sunshine, my all in all. The great creator became my savior. And all God's fullness dwells in him. That's the stone. That's the precious rock. That's the truth of the gospel message that Jesus Christ came to redeem us. And we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the life of Jesus Christ. So when I consider today what God has done for me, my testimony, 
When I consider the revelation of who He is, revealed truth. When I consider the heritage I've been given, which is a trusted treasure, it becomes very apparent that there are memorial stones, that these things are memorial stones in my life. And that they are truths that have value which cannot be overstated. Again, what do these stones mean to you? The stone of your testimony. The stone of revealed truth. The, the stone of trusted treasure. These things still have value in my life. I, I answer the question resoundingly. They mean everything to me. No changing tide of culture. No passing voice of the age. No philosophy of man that, that sounds good today but is replaced by something else tomorrow can replace the value of the memorial stones in my life. They are still worthy. They are still worthwhile. And they still mean something to me. So in our text today, Joshua is the brand new leader of Israel. What a, what a task. What an assignment. Just, just, just succeeding Moses in and of itself and his leadership would be daunting. But now Joshua is presumably a fairly young man and, and he's got now the task to take the children of Israel over that Jordan River into that promised land that they've been looking for for some 40 years. He told, God told Joshua, said, tell those priests to put that Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders and when their feet touch the Jordan, the waters are going to go back and the people are going to go through on dry land. Now, this is what I, one of the things about this that I find so interesting. I began considering it and, and, and looking into it and, and researching it a little bit. The, most scholars estimate that there were probably two million people uh, in the nation of Israel that had to cross over Jordan. I've heard estimates as high as four to six million. Take your pick somewhere in there. We're talking about millions of people. If it was two million people, if it was two million people that had to, had to cross Jordan, that Joshua had to lead into Canaan's land, that, my friends, is the entire population of Metro Baton Rouge plus the entire population of Metro New Orleans. That's about two million people. And when you consider the logistics of trying to evacuate people during hurricane season, imagine trying to get them over Jordan into the dry land, or into, on dry land into Canaan's land. If the four to six million figure is correct, now we're talking about the population of the state of Louisiana plus some. So imagine getting the entire, you just think about everybody you know and the ones you don't know and all the neighborhoods you pass by and when you travel uh, up to Tioga, you know, all the towns you pass and then on up. That's a lot of people to try to get, uh, to get through in one night over to Canaan's land. But this was the task Joshua was assigned. But before they did, God gave him a command. And he said, I want you to take one man from every tribe. So I did the math. I divided two million. Let's take the two million number figure. Divided by 12, each tribe would have had 166,667 people in it. And Joshua was, was charged with taking one man from each tribe. That, that man, 
12 men took a stone. The Bible says he hoisted it up on his shoulder. So it must have been a fairly large stone, must have been a fairly strong man. And they built a memorial in that place. And this is what stood out to me, what, what fascinates me. Joshua told the people, he said, When your children ask their fathers, what do these stones mean? That many people, two million plus, even going down to just the tribes, 166,000. He didn't say when, when your children ask me, the Joshua, the leader. He didn't say if they could find the man that built the memorial, the, one of the twelve. He said when they ask the fathers. I, I, I doubt in a, in a crowd of that many, you're talking about that many people... I doubt if a child had a question about the memorial, I doubt they could even find Joshua. I doubt they'd even know where to look. I doubt they could even find one of those men that built the memorial. But out of 2 million people and in a tribe of 166,000, somehow the truth of the memorial, the reason for the memorial, had to integrate in to every person, every home, Every mom and dad, every tent, every tribe, everybody had to know the reason for themselves. Wasn't enough for just man number one to know the reason, all the way down to man number 12. It wasn't enough for Joshua to be, articulate, to be able to articulate the reason. Every father, every mother, every grandparent had to be able to succinctly state what this memorial meant to their children. And they knew, they knew it was ingrained in them. Somehow the word got through Joshua and on in. And they were able to say, these memorials mean, this memorial means that we serve a God who has brought us out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage. And He's bringing us out of this wilderness into a land He's promised to our father Abraham. That He's a God of great miracles and He's a God of great future, of great promise. And, and, and it was something that they, they put great value in. It was something that, that, they, they, that they kindled the, the uh, value of it, the desire of it, the worth of it. They, 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 they valued it and they put great importance on it because it stood for something and it demonstrated where they had come from and where they are going. So I'm preaching today that our children, our students are starting to ask, what do these stones mean? They're exploring worship. They're exploring a prayer life. They're exploring holiness. What it's like to be a witness on their campus. What it's like to help move the mission. The convicting question is this. Do we value this thing? This God move, this, the, 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 the truth that we've been entrusted in, do we value it enough to stop and explain to our children what these stones mean? 
to stop and tell them that this is where we came from and this is what God did and this is where He performed a miracle and this is where He answered prayer and this is where He filled me with the Holy Ghost and this is where He healed my body. To stop and tell our children this is what the stones mean. So I want to ask you today, it's a convicting question. I told you, I felt God asked me this question. I want to ask you today, what do these stones mean to you? Does it still have value? Or is it a memorial that we just casually dismiss and say, oh, you know, that, that was something we used to do. Yeah, we, we used to worship like that. We I remember back in the day when they would pray and, and God would move. I, I remember there used to be power-packed Sunday services. And I remember people being slain in the Spirit. Yeah, that was something we used to do back then. But, but oh, you, we, we, we've moved on now. We're, we're post-modern. And we're, we're, maybe we're post-post-modern. And, and, and we, we've changed our thinking on some things. And we've moved on. I don't believe that today. I don't feel that way today. When I, when I look back over the memorials in my life, when I, when I see uh, where, where God brought me from and what He's done in my family, and when I consider my testimony and where, where God lifted me up out of the pit, I've got to tell you, it's a memorial that means something to me. It's a valuable, valuable stone in my life. And I have the weighty responsibility of passing it on to this generation. I, I, I quake to think today that if I don't value this enough in my life, if I don't cherish it like I should, then my kids may not receive it. It may not get handed off to them. And they may not get a hold of it. So we can't, moms and dads, families, grandparents, we can't be content to let pastor and ministry team do our teaching for us. Can't let the youth pastor lead our kids for us. We have a tremendous responsibility. We have a tremendous weight of responsibility on our shoulders. Our, our forebears, our parents handed it to us. We can't just walk by the memorial with a, with a nod of the head and then put it in our rearview mirror and hope our kids get it somewhere else. We have the imperative to pass it on to them. Thank you, Brad, for stepping out and worshiping prayer. Thank you, parents, who get your kids here on time for student prayer on Sunday mornings. Thank you for staying and pray with them. Thank you, parents, for supporting our students. It's imperative. It's of utmost value. When Moses was instructing the children of Israel, he said this to them as recorded in Deuteronomy 6, Thou shalt teach them diligently unto your children. You shall talk of them when you uh, sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by thy way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them for a sign upon your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall write them on the post of your house and on, our gate, on your gates. I want you to know the word of God. Your testimony, this revealed truth of the gospel, it's what got you and I here, parents, and it's what's going to get our students there. It's what got us here, it's what's going to get us there, get them there. We have the responsibility to talk about it. We have the responsibility to teach it. We have the responsibility to impart it. 
Hallelujah. We still need a move of God in our homes. We still need a move of God in our families. I'll tell you what got me stirred up along this line several, many weeks ago now. So I was beginning of the summer. I had the opportunity to uh, meet with and have coffee with one of our leaders in our section, one of our apostolic leaders in our section. And uh, over coffee, we were talking and dreaming and uh, vision casting and all that. And this guy, the guy I met with, uh, is about my age, about the same generation. And uh, his kids are a little older than mine, but, but about the same, about the same place in life. Uh, I'm 45 years old, midlife. And he made a very profound statement that, that changed my way of thinking. It shook me to my core. He said, Brother Dave, do you realize that we, he and I, my generation, are the last link between the voices of the ministries of T.F. Tenney, T.W. Barnes, Kenneth Haney. We sat under those ministries. We heard them preach. We saw the move of God. But we are the last generation that heard them. We are the last generation that sat under those ministries. And if we don't provide the link between those profound and dynamic men of God and our kids, our generation, they're not going to get it. They're not going to know what it's like to sit under the convicting power of the preached word of T.W. Barnes and see those miracles following. They're not going to hear the voice of T.F. Tenney and, and Kenneth Haney and some of these guys. Those guys were the bridge from Azusa Street and they, they kind of planted everything and got it going. Now I'm the bridge between them and my kids and if I don't do it, I don't know who will. I don't know what that does to you, but that stirs me up. That tells me that I can't be anything less than they were. I can't pray any less than they prayed. I can't fast any less than they fasted. I can't know less about the Word of God than they do. I've got to see the same God moving in my life that they saw. Oh, is anybody getting the vision? Is anybody getting the burden? Come on, we can't be less. We can't be less. There are memorial stones that have been given to us, and we've got to pass them on to our kids. I still thrill. We were talking about it yesterday at home. I still thrill at the stories of the urchins. I still am fascinated by the price that was paid by the Ewarts and, and uh, uh, Charles Parham and uh, Bartleman and all those guys at Azusa Street. Those, those stories, they got a revelation of the mighty God in Christ. They, they paid a great price for it. And it still means something to me. It still means something to me. It's not old. It's not out of date. It's not out of fashion. And I refuse to let the din and clamor of culture drown out those voices that said, buy the truth and sell it not. I was in ninth grade in the uh, general conference in New Orleans. And I heard Brother Andrew Hershon preach, buy the truth and sell it not. I've never forgotten it. I don't remember it being a particularly dynamic message. But just buy the truth and sell it not. To hold on to this thing. To drive a stake in the ground and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So I ask you again, what do these stones mean to you? It is believed, <clears throat> it is believed 
that, as you know, Elisha followed Elijah. And he prayed and he said, Elijah, I know the time of your departure is near. And I know you'll be taken away. He said, I want a double portion of your spirit. I want a double portion of your ministry. And Elijah said, if you see me when I go, you can have it. And that's what happened. Elisha followed him, refused to let him get out of his sight until Elijah was taken up uh, and out, uh, out of this world. And the Bible says that Elisha, on the way, on that trip, Elijah had taken his mantle and smote the Jordan River. And they walked through. And then when Elijah ascended, Elisha turned around and took that mantle of the prophet of God. And he smote the Jordan River and said, where is the God of Elijah? And those, that Jordan River parted again for Elisha. It is believed by many, especially in Judaism, it is believed that the place where Elijah and Elisha smote the Jordan was the place in Gilgal where Joshua had built that memorial. And if that is true, what that says simply is that we can return to those old memorials that those men and women of God built many years ago. And that same God, that same power, the same miracles, the same signs and wonders that they saw are still available to us today. That same memorial says, this is the God of our forebears. This is the God of the ones that went before. And He's still making things happen today. I told some folks this week, I started with it a moment ago. I'm glad our young people are seeing miracles take place. I'm glad they know it's their prayers that are achieving miracles because it says the memorial to the God of yesteryear is still, that same God is still answering your prayer today. And if he did it for them, he's going to do it for you. I'm glad our students are in an environment that says these stones mean something. They're valuable. They're a memorial. Oh, I wish if you believed it today, you would clap your hands with all of your might and you would shout unto the God who does great things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those memorial stones of yesteryear. The voice has gone on before us. The men and women of God. What about the memorial stones of your personal testimony? Do you ever go back and reflect on what God did for you? Where He's brought you from? Answered prayer? Where you were when you received the Holy Ghost the first time? Is it still a memorial in your life that holds value? And do you ever share it with your children? Do you ever talk about it as Moses instructed? Talk about it at the table. Talk about it when you go in and when you go out. Write it on the doorpost. Write it as frontlets between your eyes. Sharing what God did with you, with your children. Those are proven memorial stones. That means something. And they'll get your kids and your, your, your family from here to there. I told the Sunday school class a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to share it with you. This is my mom's Bible. By the way, it's great to have my mom in service. She's back and doing very well. Thank you for praying for her. Thank you. Uh, after... Uh, Dawson got sick. We were at St. Jude, and then we had the flood and all that. Somewhere in all that, my memory's fuzzy now. I got it. My mom gave me this Bible. I got a hold of it. 
and it meant a lot to me. I hold on to and to pray. What I, what I love about this Bible, though, is that um, uh, she had it. It was her Bible when she was single. Then when she, she and my dad got married, they wanted to start a family. And uh, this was, she kept, you kept using this Bible, kept bringing it to church. And uh, they wanted to start a family. I was told it was an impossibility. I was told it was an impossibility. And so when I opened this Bible, she has a, uh, a note card right here. And she just wrote across the front her prayer request, which is a healthy baby. That was it. That's all. She just wrote a healthy baby on there. What I love about this and I cherish so much is you, you can probably see some of you. There's some kind of chicken scratch on the front. And then on the back, there's a lot of chicken scratch. Well, what that is, is where I, as a toddler, sat on her lap in church and wrote all over this note card. So the answer to the prayer, uh, the prayer request is written on the card, and the answer to the prayer is written on the card. And, and uh, so, so that meant a lot to me to see that my mother and my father could pray and see God answer prayer and see him perform miracles. So how do you think when, I, when, when the chips were down in my life and, and I had my son uh, battling leukemia and my house destroyed by a flood, what do you think that did to my prayers? And what do you think that did to my faith when I went back and saw, said, God, you did this for my mom. You did this for my dad. Now I need a healing touch for my son. When Elena was born with a condition in her kidneys, I said, God, I need you to heal my daughter. God touched her and healed her. Because there's memorials in our personal testimony. And we got to go back in our files sometimes and say, where is the God that, uh, that heals and answers by fire? Where is the God that answers our prayer? Oh, he's still alive and well. And he's still ministering. He's still working. He's still moving. It's the prayer of your personal testimony. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Don't ever forget your testimony. Don't ever forget what God did for you. It's a memorial to what God has done for you. And I just want to make another point right here. I just preached to you for a minute. When you talk about your testimony, there is no weapon. There is no greater weapon for the child of God quite like testifying about what God has done for you. So I'm going to just tell you, I'm going to encourage somebody right here. When you feel like giving up, go back to the stones. They still mean something. When your faith is low, go back to the stones. They still stand for something. When you look around and all you see is uncertainty and nothing seems to be secure, I want you to know there's still a firm foundation. I want you to know there's still a memorial stone that you can go back to. And it's Jesus Christ himself being our chief cornerstone. Come on, there's power in your testimony. There's power in what God can do. So these are memorial stones that we must share with our families. And our children. If the musicians will come, I'm going to begin bringing this in for a landing. <clears throat> so lest you think that I'm preaching that we should live in the past, let me get to my, my main point today. These stones that I'm preaching about, this memorial... It's not just a memorial to what happened before. It's not just a memorial of what happened yesterday, what happened in previous time. The memorial is also a signpost, a road sign, pointing the way 
forward. We're not called to just stand around gazing at what happened in the past. But we're called to live our lives forward into the future. So fast forward with me to the end of Joshua's life. They crossed over Jordan. They occupied Canaan's land. They fought all those battles. Jericho, Ai, on down the line. All that's done. They're settled in. And it is time for Joshua to go. Just like Moses. The time of his life was over. His leadership had come to an end. It's, not, it's time now for Joshua to depart. He gives Israel a brief recap of their history. Reminds them that they came over the Jordan River. Reminds them of their slavery in Egypt. How God delivered them. And he says something that may sound just a little familiar to you in our application today in our spiritual walk with God. He says, you're now living in cities you didn't build and you're eating from vineyards you didn't plant. The warrior generation has passed on. The present generation is enjoying the good things of God that have come as a result of the price paid by others. And he asked them, before he departs, he, he asked them to declare their allegiance, to make an oath, to make a commitment. Whether they're going to serve the false gods of other nations or to serve the one true God who brought them to this point. And he asked them to make a covenant with God. And here is where Joshua states those immortal words that we love to quote. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And this is what I find so significant about this moment. Quite possibly... And a nod to the 12 memorial stones from the beginning of his ministry. Joshua calls all the people together near a stone. And he asked the people to make a choice. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And took a great stone, a great stone. And set it up there under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said unto all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us. For it hath heard all the words of the Lord which he spake unto us. It shall be therefore a witness, lest you deny your God. In other words, just like we built a memorial with 12 stones at the beginning, I'm building a memorial with this stone at the end. But this stone of witness which Joshua made was not a looking back at what God had done. It was a declaration of, of what God was going to do moving forward. In light of what God has done in the past, in light of the miracles, signs, and wonders, the bringing out of bondage, the heritage, all of that, then Joshua is saying, I must live my life for Him. As for me and my house, we will take the memorial stones of what God has done. We will take the memorial stones of our heritage and we will serve the Lord. 
So as you stand with me today, I'm just asking today, is there anybody, is there anybody who would join with me and say the memorial is still valuable? The stones still mean something to me. And in fact, they mean so much uh, to me that I'm going to recommit myself today that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let culture do what culture is going to do. Let politics do what politics is going to do. Let society ebb and flow like it always has. But me and my house, we're going to build on the foundation of the rock of the Word of God. Does anybody feel that way today? If you do, I'm asking you to come down to the front. Every every person, every mom, every dad, every young person, come. And I'm just asking you to settle once and for all what these stones mean to you. Let it cause you to live your life forward. Let it cause you to live your life in in allegiance to God. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, there's there's a power of God moving right now. Come on, there's a recommitment going right now. Come on, students, what do these stones mean to you? Do they mean enough to you to build a memorial today? Do they mean enough to you, Lord, to to, to build a a memorial stone today in your life? Come on, come on, let God lead you today in prayer. Let God lead you to a deeper commitment. Let him lead you to more. Come on, that's it. That's it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.